0: Are now, listening to Pursuit Cast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC, may it
1: be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Sam back again with another podcast, and I have a very special guest, a brand new friend and brother that uh, I
0: finally had a chance to meet. I have here with me Matt O. Oh, hey, Matt, how are you? Hello. Thanks for the opportunity. And likewise, finally the chance to meet you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks, man.
1: But uh, I- I'm so glad for you to make time. I know we were going back and forth on email for a while. Uh, shout out to Eunice for <laughs> making this happen. But uh, yeah, if you could just share briefly a little bit about yourself or our listeners so they could get an idea of who you are.
0: Yeah. Uh, so my name is Matt. Uh, I think I uh, basically I grew up in the New Jersey, New York area, uh, born in Flushing. Uh, I think people who meet me like they'll never guess that. Uh-huh. But I guess now it's out there in the public. Um, you know, grew up in the church. Uh, I think one important thing actually that's kind of formative of who I am today is like I am an only child, um, and I insane. think. Really? Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. What was your experience like? Uh, I loved it. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I think I had the opposite. Okay. I did not like it. Um, and I think that that, I think a lot of it, um, kind of who I am today was, did come from there, which I can talk about more. Yeah. Um, but then I uh, graduated as an engineer, you know, began working in corporate, but just something in me just wasn't. Satisfied enough, something it just didn't feel fulfilling, sure. Um, and I think the Lord was really kind of calling me to help others globally, um, and that's kind of how Forefront started,
1: yeah. And, and that's why we wanted to have you come. You're the founder and director, if I'm not mistaken, of Forefront. So, I guess if you can just go ahead and share what Forefront is,
0: yeah. So, Forefront, uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, and our mission is to enable every person. Uh, equip leaders, and establish self-sustaining communities. Mm. So what that means is that, uh, especially uh, in India, where we do primarily our work in, uh, there's a lot of inequalities. You may hear it on the news, or even um, for those who may have gone to India, um, there are many different barriers, such as religion, um, the Hinduism, uh, the caste system, uh, you know, income inequality, gender inequality. It basically is just kind of... Uh, plagues that sort of society Um, but not only in India like you know as we work in other as we continue to work in other countries uh, you know there will always be those sorts of inequalities but our heart is that you know God has created each and every one of us uh, you know perfectly with lots of purpose and with a lot of detail and so you know we believe that everyone should have access to clean water um, you know, basic education, uh, medical care, and um, opportunities such as, such as those. Um, and essentially, once they have that, we want to equip them to become leaders, to really kind of care and tend for others, so that they can go out and make self-sustaining communities and help. Basically, it's like a local-to-local sort of support sure. system. That's great. And we do that primarily through four pillars, um, kind of the ones that I mentioned, clean water sanitation, education, medical, and empowerment.
1: Now, you do Forefront full-time? or
0: No, actually, right now, um, our entire team, we do it part-time. Wow. Um, yeah, and the heart behind that was, you know, we really believe in the cause. And we want a lo- we want pretty much all the donations to go directly to the cause, which it does. Um, and so we're able to make the impact, like such as twenty-two water wells to date. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over three thousand soaps delivered, um, and now building a primary school. So all of that was possible just because you know we're really we want to really see change, and we want to see the uh, communities kind of develop.
1: Yeah, I, I know before we ever met. Uh you know, I saw some of the campaigns that you were doing, mm-hmm. you know, I think I gave towards building a school and everything like yep. that, but Thank now, you. how did that all start? Like, how did, you know, you said you were dissatisfied and just, yeah. the nine to five or
0: whatever, but, mm-hmm. you know, what was the origin of forefront? How yeah. did it all begin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So actually, it started even before the corporate. Mm. Um, You know, I think that growing up as an only child, uh, you know, I think my parents, they basically expected so much from me. It's like me or nothing, right? So they pushed me a lot. You know, I think the typical sort of like Asian American story of just like studies and go to a good school. And that was basically all my life um, just growing up. And so in college, I was uh, I was a chemical engineer. And so the workload was immense. The stress was high. Um, you know, just got by. But basically, like, I thought that by becoming a chemical or going to school for chemical engineering, going to, like, a good school, I thought that was it. I made it or I'm about to make it, you know, get a job and I'm set. I should be happy. But I wasn't happy. I was actually faced with a lot of, you know, depression at times and, you know, loneliness, a lot of those type of things. But there was a missionary that came to our college fellowship uh, who basically did missions in Kazakhstan, And he uh, would always just tell us these stories, these miracle stories of, let's say, for one thing, one story that I remember as they were evangelizing um, basically, like all around them was raining except their worship service wow. area. And I was like, what? Like, is that even possible? Uh-huh. Like, what does that mean? And, you know, it's just him and his family just abroad by themselves. They don't have, like, you know, they don't have friends, you know, they're kind of on their own. And so I'm sure, like, if I were to be in that situation, I would be like, you know what? Forget this, it's hard, like, I'm lonely, et cetera. But they actually just loved being there. They loved serving people. Um, They loved the Lord. They actually said, quote, it's exciting to be there. And when he said, it's exciting to be there, I'm like, how does that make sense? Like, how is he excited and I'm not excited? Because the world's telling me to live this way and then you'll be happy. You'll be satisfied. You have everything that you need. But I was like, I don't see it. And so that's kind of where it kind of started brewing. Like the heart for missions, the heart of really knowing who God is and like, how do you enjoy God? And I think that was a lot of the things that I struggled with. You know, I had a great fellowship, great group of brothers and sisters, great community who really challenged me. Um, Struggled a lot spiritually, but I think it was all formative to really make me more. Um, I guess, desperate um, to God. You know, I think I really learned to cling to God and not to friends, per se, although they are important, but really just knowing who God is and knowing that He is our true source of strength and joy. So once I finished uh, college, um, and then I... uh, actually in then I did a master's where I focused on water municipal treatments mm-hmm. and alternative energy. So I was always kind of interested in that field and also around that time I was introduced first to the nonprofit space. Yeah. Um, I was like, what is this? You know, birthday campaigns, like all these sorts of things mm-hmm. just start coming up. And that's where I was like, oh like there's those type of uh organization exists. Uh, then I graduated master, I came to uh, my current Church Grace Community Chapel, where uh, as soon as I walked in, this guy, he comes and he's like, hey, do you want to go to India missions? And I was like, uh, sure, because I always loved the Indian culture. So I was like, sure, sign me up. I was actually past the deadline. But uh, the missions director uh, just said, okay, sure, like, like yeah. they we needed people. Uh, so they allowed me to go. And I think that's so critical that's kind of where it started because when i went there i was I w- I was working at uh craft foods or a corporate and you know as great as it was great coworkers you know a lot of new exciting opportunities but whenever they talk about like business results they're like oh we grew like 0.2% this year i'm like oh, what does that even mean like yeah. In a $32 billion company, I'm a kid, sure, but I mean, I guess at the time, now thinking about it, I was selfish. I was like, so how does it benefit me? I'm like, this doesn't, like, this means nothing to me. So when I went to India, um, basically the first week, it was a shock, you know, I was just like, wow, like, this is what life is, like, outside the US, and I was just like, I was just soaking it in. I didn't, I didn't know what to think. I wasn't really processing. But the second week, um, as I was kind of getting a little bit more used to um, the way of things, uh, the missions trip, we had an opportunity to talk to Pastor Rufus, the missionary there. He's a local. Um, and you know, we were just talking, and one of the questions were, so what are some of the things you know, that you're planning, or what are some of the goals that your ministry has? And he said things like, You know, we want to uh, plant more churches, we want to build like schools, hospitals, things that I've heard before that ministries wanted to do. But then he said, I want to build water wells. Mm. And I think that hit me because, you know, that was kind of my focus. My heart was for clean water. And I was like, water wells, I've never heard that before. So how does a water well even help your ministry? Yeah. And he was saying, well, you know, like, it's the living, like, we want to provide the living water um, through physical water. And so what happens is that basically in India, the way, you know, it is, it's very agricultural. Um, You have a village of, let's say, 200 people. So whereas here in the States, like, a town connects to another town, it just seems like one huge sort of, like, community. But there, it's like one community. Village, and then it's like lots of land. Then another village, lots of land, and it's all separate. And it's as if they just kind of operate on their own. They have like their own sort of like small, like government in a way. They kind of operate amongst themselves. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, so I was like, why water wells? And he said, you know, like these uh, are Hindu villages, and right now the government in India. Is a radical Hindu party. A lot of opposition. A lot of persecution. Even at the end of two thousand seventeen, or I think two thousand sixteen, um, uh, the prime minister they basically uh, banned all like Christian organizations. Wow. So like Samaritans, Pers World Vision, they were all kind of like forced out. And so, you know, he was saying like a lot of times if they wanted to go as missionaries to share the gospel they're not going to be able to go in. It's just persecution. And there are stories of um, churches being burned down. I even know a pastor who was stoned. Um, You know, this, like, it's real. Like, the Acts is not, like, the book uh, of Acts is not, like, an old Bible story. Like, persecution and things like that, it happens now. And so it's really great to just, it just brings everything into perspective. But because they're Hindu villages and they don't allow Christianity, they're afraid. They don't want that to influence their villages. Um, But it's through building water, clean water, providing clean water, where then they're like, you know what? It's a life necessity. Who's going to say no to clean water? And as they enter, you're creating that relationship. um, And that's kind of how they start to share. So I was like, you know what? I have a heart for missions. But you know, maybe I'm not necessarily called to, like, go to seminary, become a pastor, get sent out by, you know, a church. Mm -hmm. You know, we are a generation that's more talented than ever. We have marketers, doctors, lawyers, engineers. I mean, you name it, like, so many. I mean, I'm just naming the top, but there's Mm -hmm. so many, like, let's say actors or even, like, graphic designers. Like, so many people who have all these God-given talents and skills. But... How can we use it all to help um, missions? And so that's kind of the heart behind Forefront um, is that, uh, you know, we really do want to reach the unreached villages. The villages where, you know, the government forgets about them or people, well, they feel like they're alone. But really to kind of show that they're not alone, that they do have a God, um, Jesus, who really does look and care for them. And actually, I was able to experience in my most recent trip in March um, where we went to this village and it's actually near our uh, future school location in a place called Kuluru. And I didn't really know it. You know, we went there, we were talking with them, playing with them, you know, as if, as we just treat anyone like ourselves. Um, Even if you just take the Christian side, that's just like how we operate. But, you know, as Christians, you know, we really do want to, um, we don't care about the boundaries, like we're, sure. we view them as, uh, you know, fellow um, uh, brothers and sisters. Um, but uh, when we were there, uh, we were actually told that they're the scheduled tribe caste. So in India, there's three main castes. So it's the lowest caste, and in the lowest caste, there's two levels. And so this was the bottom. Wow. So it's basically the lowest of the lowest caste. Had no idea, yeah. but it was the lowest of the lowest. And so we built them a water well and, you know, there I was just so thankful, you know, for the opportunity to even have, um, to be able to have such a great team, uh, great, you know, supporters, donors who invest um, and provided this water well. Um, You know, for them, they may say, you know, the government doesn't care about us, but why do these people like come all the way from America and build us a water well, like what is this, right? So for them, and as we just kind of play with them without even thinking about them, that they're in the scheduled tribe cast, you know, they're, like, experiencing, like, this sort of new, like, radical love. Wow. And it's a glimpse for them, but ultimately, I'm hoping and praying that they will be able to know the true, you know, love. Um,
1: Come on. Yeah. You know, I-, I would love to hear kind of, I guess, you know, how long ago was that first trip and, you know, how... How long has it been since you launched Forefront? Yeah.
0: So that mission trip was uh, summer 2012. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I uh, came back and, you know, I, I got that conviction when I heard about the water well. And, you know, that night I shared it with my team. And, you know, sometimes, like, we're afraid to share convictions with sure. people because then it's like, you're responsible. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like this desire this heart whereas like i just i just felt like i just needed to do it and i just wanted prayer at the time so my team prayed for me um and then came back and then like i was i came back really energized ready to do it and now i was like wait but what do i do like how do i even get this started like what what like i have no experience so i was like okay you know what like so i i uh, threw a water charity concert we invited amp We raised $3,000, but I didn't want it to just end there. Um, You know, I wanted to really kind of be at the forefront of it, really interact, hear the stories, you know, um, really kind of capture these stories and share with others and just inspire people here, home, of just what we can do together as a generation and just how lives are impacted. So I actually prayed for an entire year until the next following mission trip. I was like, God, like, how do I even start? Like, who do I even talk to? Where do I go? Um, yeah. And so I was literally praying every single day. Um, came back the following year, and there actually. So the first year I didn't mention this, but the first year, basically, what was shocking is that in the same body of water, there were animals being washed women doing laundry, kids showering, men showering. Um, There was even open defecation maybe like 100 feet away. And I was like, what? Like this is the water situation? You know, heard stories of uh, people walking six to ten hours a day getting water at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 12 p.m. I mean, if you're getting water every two hours, you can't, by the time you start something, you have to stop to get water, right? And so basically, you, you're not able to go to school for kids, or maybe women are not lot, um, able to work because that's just kind of the daily routine. The following year in 2013, when I went, um, you know we we uh, help out at an orphanage, BBS and things like that. But basically, these kids like they were just not they were just not going to school. We're like, no, you need to go to school. We're like, school is cool, and they're like, no, we don't need school. And we're like, why not? Why aren't you going to school? And they're like, well, we found out, you know, a deeper level that uh, they don't have teachers that come. You know, there's no sanitary facilities for girls. Um, you know, one time when we asked like, what's your favorite, like topic or subject in school like we're like do you like English and they're like we like games Mm
1: -hmm. and we're like
0: games is not a subject they're like no we like games and so we found out that it's actually a lot of time kind of a daycare center like parents you know just want to send their kids somewhere um, so that they can either work or do chores Um, and in government school they provide food lunch so it's one less meal to think about so that was that came back, and I was like, God, like, come on, like, how do I go? Let, let's get started, let's go. And then the, it was another year that passed, was so just praying every day, no answer. Following year, 2014 now, um, I met a pregnant woman who had pregnancy complications, but she didn't have the means, the funds, um, you know, they don't have cars. Um, the nearest hospital was 12 miles away, and you can't ask a pregnant woman to, walk or yeah. travel twelve miles, especially, you know, in that type of situation. And we, you know, we prayed for her at that time. Came back, I was like, God, like, come on, like, what's going on? And um basically I read of Time magazine and it pulled and it said, you know, like, um, what are the top issues uh in the third world countries and you know it's basically like clean water on the bottom, then education, medical and then corruption. So I was like, huh, that's so interesting. I was like, you know, like, yes, um, you know, all these things, they're important. It's it's more than just one solution. And so that's kind of where our four-pillar approach sort of idea came into play. Um, Well, if I could just quickly fast forward a little bit. We found out that, you know, we built our first water well in February 2015. We went to India through Forefront for the first time in October 2015. About, what is that, seven months later. We thought that this water well would have transformed um, this village of Palapatla, our first village ever. But when we went there, actually we realized that now all these kids and women, men, they have six to ten hours back in their day. But these kids, they didn't have schools to go to. Or Mm. once again, you know, it was recess or, you know, they just had so much more time. So that's actually also kind of where our four phase, sorry, our four pillar kind of approach came from in the sense that, um, you know, you need the clean water to be healthy, to be, to be able to go to school. And a lot of times if a family member is sick and they need the funds, you know, the first thing that they would do is they would pull them out of school. But, you know, the medical is there to keep the community active and going forward um, and then really also just giving the empowerment, just giving um, kids, giving the villagers uh, a voice, um, uh, the opportunity, the confidence to really take ownership of their community and grow their community and care for their community and so that's kind of really how it happened. So going back uh, to 2014, came back after the, the story about the pregnant woman that I share. It was October and you know, now I've been praying for, what, a little over two years. And I was kind of getting tired. I was like, like, how many more days do I have to pray? So I literally just prayed, like, God, like, this may sound crazy. I At the time, I was like, this may be heretical. I have no idea. But God, I'm just going to pray this. Like, if it's your will, just make it very clear. Or else maybe it's just time to move on. Yeah. So it's October when I prayed that. Um, interestingly at the time, like it coincided with our GCC Bible study where, you know, it was about, um, uh, it was about like, um, Joseph, um, and just kind of waiting for the, he got the dream, but you know, he was in the time of waiting and it was literally around that time when I was kind of like in that phase of like waiting and just final, like, okay, God, like speak now. Um, so basically what happened was, uh, the missionary son, his name is Sonny, who we now work with, he actually contacted me and he's like, Hey, Matt, like, so I was praying and I had this idea of, like, building water wells in schools. Wow. And I was so praying, like, you're the first person that came into my mind. And I was like, what? Like, really? <laughs> but actually, even before he told me that, like, when he first contacted me, he uh, basically was like, Matt, I want to talk to you. And I just knew what it was. For some reason, I just had a hunch. I was like, is it about a nonprofit? And he's like, yeah, actually, it kind of is. I was like, yeah. let's get on the phone now. And then that's when he told me. I was like, Sonny, this is that's exactly crazy. what I've been praying for. Now I know like, this is where we, where we should work first yeah. and who we should serve. The people Um, and so that's kind of how it started October that's when you know I at the time I was working uh, for a company where it was really like toxic work environment but I'm so thankful I think I I, I think one thing I would say is every single experience meet like God God is perfect and if we say God is perfect and sovereign then in everything that we do We must really just seek to understand why God is putting us through that. And I truly believe as torturous as it was, I went through that because I think what I learned is, you know, what it means to be, at least for me, like technical in terms of like the work, how to be thorough. But I also learned what it means to be a bad leader (laughs) or a bad manager, like what not to do. Um, Anyway, so... Then we then the org structure that we have today is actually the same org structure that I thought of back in 2015 when I was first sketching it. Um, and then the first Sunday in 2015, there was a sermon um, called, Who Will You Live For in 2015? And that's where the name Forefront kind of came to be because as I was thinking about it, these missionaries in India, like, you know, we did we did open baptisms in the Bay of Bengal. Like... They, they're the type that's so bold for the Lord. That's like, you know what? We don't care about the consequences. We'll care about the consequences later. Right now, it's all about preaching and sharing the gospel, letting Jesus know. That's, their, that's basically their soulful fo- focus. And that's, that's their aim. And so I was like, wow, they're at the forefront of sharing the gospel. They're risking their lives for the gospel because they know how precious it is. Yeah. And that's actually the inspiration behind the name Forefront. And anything that we do, we want to be at the forefront. Um, And the work that we do, the ideas, um, and all that kind of, uh, you know, all that stuff. So, um, then that's kind of when it began in 2015. Yeah,
1: Yeah, awesome. I think the thing that I love about your story that you just shared is that you were praying about it for two years. Yes. You know, I think, I mean, I think that can't be glanced over because I feel people go on mission trips or they watch a documentary or they hear a story, they read an article or hear a podcast like this or whatever and and they get a conviction and they pray about it for a week and you know the prayer that you prayed finally after two years, God just show me a sign if it's your will or not after praying about it for only a week they don't get a sign like oh and they just move on but I love that you persevere through that conviction and I think that speaks to or that needs to at least speak to our generation of like man nurture that conviction God wants to do something even if it doesn't happen in a month or a week or two years and like you're saying Joseph 17 years, you know? So I love that about your story.
0: Yeah. No, I I think that's definitely that's the testimony. Um actually even after that, I mean throughout our four years of existence there have been many sort of miracle stories, but that was once again like praying. So the praying never stops. You know, it really just brings us to a place where we, literally like it brings us to a place where it's like, God, like there's, I think this all the time, like God, there's really nothing I can do. I can't change people's heart, but you can if it's your will. And I think prayer brings me to that place of understanding that, you know, even the little successes that we have, even every single water well that we build, you know, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. Like, it's all, you know, God's grace and God's provisions through changing, through inspiring, you know, uh, people's hearts. And that's how we continue. It's by God's grace every single day and through prayer. Um, But yeah, I think when it comes to perseverance, like, convictions, and I think that God did put me through those two years because, like, because of that, I feel like I have more um, determination in the Lord through prayer. That's good. Um, because th- I think that shows conviction. Because yeah. like you pray, you endure. Even the times when you want to quit praying, mm-hmm. even in the times when I may want to quit serving people, and I, I think this a lot. I mean, I went through some difficult times about a year ago where I was like. I like, why am I wasting all my time? Why am I wasting my finances? Like, why am I doing all this? Like, what's the point? Like, I just felt like I was giving, a, like, away again and again and again. I just felt so, like, empty and just so, like, poor. Um, but I think in that time, like, God was just reminding me once again through prayer. Um, Matt, you are not a savior. You are not here to solve the global problem. Um, but, you know, I have... Giving you the conviction, and I always go back to the first point, and the testimony is so important. And that's why I love, and I wanted this uh, to take this opportunity because this also encourages me. Yeah. This also reminds me of my story of how God has convicted me, and that's what fuels me to keep going. Is God? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think I should share that. I think I might have to flesh this thought out more, but I would say that ultimately conviction isn't what you feel it's what you must take ownership of and maybe that's where most people fail is it's a feeling that comes and goes rather than something you take ownership of and I think God doesn't make us feel conviction he gives us conviction so that we can steward it Mm -hmm. and I think your story you know shares that about conviction yeah um what are some of the projects that you are currently working at at Forefront? I know you shared about wells that you build, schools, in, but what are some current projects that you guys are hands-on in, hands in this moment? Yeah,
0: yeah so, I mean, uh, we have 22 water wells to date, but that's something that we're always working on. And, um, you know, it's really kind of like the basis of all things and really all life. Um, so we're continuing to do that. And we also um, uh, launched basically soap toys, so it's basically soap with toys inside. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the idea behind that is we want uh, to encourage kids to wash their hands because they're trying to get to the toy. So that went really well. You know, the local government took notice of it. They loved it. They supported it. You know, um, awesome. yeah. So it it's great in the sense that we're able to really kind of connect. With the local government, and they see who we are, who we work with, and etc. Uh, but I think our current biggest project is our school building. Um, so we are uh, building a school, elementary school, uh, grades one through five. Um, it's a really big project, but through through a lot of generous donors, we've um, uh, actually when we went, uh, we have kind of like the we have the foundation, we have the f- ceiling on the first floor, and we have the roof. Um, we're actually building the walls now um, but still a little bit to go but a huge progress is you can see the structure of the building and we're just so excited for this because this is really the epicenter of everything in the sense that um, you know, this is where kids who may not be going to school so in the area uh, 10, there, there are about 10,000 like, grades 1-5 through five kids in the area uh, 40% of them do not go to school And so even if we can capture them, like, that is our goal. And, you know, we don't, a lot of times, too, if you look at the government database, like, all the students, it says, like, Hindu, Hindu, Hindu. But, you know, we want to give Christians also, like, the opportunity to go to a good school. And that's basically what we're providing is quality education at an affordable cost for them. Uh, But more than that, what we want to do is we want to kind of instill, um, you know, uh, not just studying for the sake of studying and then becoming successful and being selfish about it, but really it's, um, you know, getting the education to help others. You know, when I look at my story, too, as a Korean American, uh, um, being here in America, I imagine what if I didn't have access to clean water or education or medical or even as a minority that I didn't have access to any of it, um, but I am, I am able to help others and we are all able to help others because we had these sort of basic life necessities. And so we want to provide the same opportunity to all these kids who may not be getting clean water that they should have all these so that they can go out and help others. So. One big thing is that we want to ensure that they understand what it means to love and serve others, um, you know, the importance of clean water, and we want them to also be a, um, a agent, a change maker that goes out eventually and kind of shares the importance of that. One other thing that we're working on um, is what we call community engagement. So in the base, it, as we go to, from community to community, um, essentially what we're doing is, uh, through the water well that we're building, we're incorporating all our other pillars into it. So we talk about the importance of hand washing, or most recently, we uh, did like a small science class on like the water cycle, like what it means that when you harm the earth, it is you know it comes back. and so that's why we must keep the earth clean and green. Um, and what we want our school to be is that we want our school. We want village leaders to come here to our school where we will kind of train them on, let's say, you know, proper nutrition or, you know, like a healthy lifestyle, things like that, or clean water or new filtration, new, new filters. And then we, we will send them out to their villages to basically, um, you know, equip their community. So essentially, we're building like an alliance or um, a community of like change makers so that the impact is more... Um, like more impact but also it's more local to local um so because i think it's really important for them to take ownership um but then also lastly at their school uh, our heart is that you know the school building um can be used as a church in that area so the missionary that we work with he uh, actually um that's kind of a new area that he wants to evangelize and to kind of um, minister to. So this school kind of opens up that sort of relationship with that area.
1: Great. And all of your work in wells and schools that you're working at is in India or?
0: Yes, currently it's all in India.
1: Perfect. Uh, Now for those who are listening, you know, how can they get involved? You know, if they want to, get involved they want to learn more about forefront they want to learn more about clean water and they want to give or even pray you know we talked about the importance Mm -hmm. of prayer Uh, what are some of the ways that people can help and and act as well as pray for you and your organization Mm -hmm.
0: yeah the first thing i would say is that really age does not matter i think A lot of times we think that we have to be older or whatever, but, you know, we've been having high schoolers, um, you know, really kind of stepping up. Um, And so I think the first thing is obviously visit our website, www.goforefront.org, or our Facebook, Instagram handle, at GoForefront. See, you know, what we're up to, you know, pray for the projects that we're talking about. Um... Also, talk to us, you know, email us because, you know, we do respond to every email or if people email me, I always respond. You know, I I think my heart is really for our generation. So I want to find opportunities and to, yeah, to work with people to uh, utilize their talents um, to really help others. So that's there. Um, If you want to volunteer, help us on a small project, let us know. If you have a talent, let's say, you know, I'm a I don't know, like a animation, <laughs> whatever, you know, like whatever it is, like let us know, you know, we will, we, there's so much need, there's so much to do so we can definitely utilize um, any sort of support. Um, and then, you know, you can start a campaign um, to really let other people know and to kind of spread the news and just kind of continue to grow the network. Um, so yeah, so there's many different ways. Actually recently we uh, we've been starting uh, high school Chapters too, uh, clubs, and so that's been really great. Actually, we've been really inspired by them, just the creativity, just the resolve, like just their own initiation. Um, so yeah, and then we'll also love to speak and share the story in person with anybody.
1: Yeah, so cool. And uh, for those of you guys who are listening, we'll definitely have all the links and everything like that for you. Uh, and and as we get ready to wrap up our our conversation here. Um, I would love for it to end on I guess a, a testimony or a story of uh, a person that, that's been impacted by your work over there I'm sure you meet a lot of you play with kids, you hang out with missionaries, you hang out with different uh, villagers and stuff like that so mm-hmm. I'd love for it to end on like a story on, on someone you've met and the impact that mm-hmm. they made on you as well as the impact that you've been privileged to make over there, too.
0: Mm. Um, Yeah. Actually, the timing is perfect. So um, when I went to India this past March, um, uh, actually, let me start with a story where I was impacted. Um, So once again, same trip back in March, Um, one of the, so their diabetes is really rampant, Um, you know, the nutrition, the exercise, is just not um, where it should be, per se. And what happened was we met this man, um, and it all happened, well, now less than two months ago, um, where he, he was a diabetic, type 2 diabetic, but there they don't wear shoes. So, you know, they'll step in mud, they'll step in dirt and whatnot. And basically what happened is he got a toe infection. Which became a foot infection, which became a leg infection, and they basically had to amputate his leg. Oh man! And you know, there were no—he doesn't have crutches, no wheelchair, so he was literally just stuck in his backyard or back porch um, day in, day out. And I'm, you know, like I could only imagine what's going through his head, like, you know, like what do i do now my whole life has changed because i'm just in this one place and you know he was kind of using his hands to kind of carry himself throughout the you know the porch i heard that you know he's a singer um, or he's also a christian and he actually helped like three churches in the area kind of like um grow and really just going out and sharing the gospel um incredible and i think um You know, for him, like, he may think, well, what do I do now? Like, God, like, did I do something wrong? Like, I was out sharing your, sharing the word, sharing the gospel. And, you know, like, what does this mean now? And as he, as I did hear uh, that he was a singer, I asked, hey, like, do you mind? Maybe you can pray. Uh, Sorry, maybe you can sing. Um, And uh, what happened, as he was singing, I was just so inspired because he he was singing and he started crying, but he was like screaming and crying, but he was also worshiping more. Um, like, and it just kept going on and on. And I think for me, like what it was, was it really just kind of challenged me is that even in the tough times, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you want to quit, even when, let's say you feel crippled, will you worship me more? And I think that really challenged me is that, you know the con- like conviction, like kind of what we we're talking about is, even in those times, we have to remember that the Lord is good, that the Lord is faithful, that there is a reason. Um, maybe not. It probably might not be the way we think about it, but there is a plan. Um, and the the way I saw it was, you know, like, hey, you know, for him, yeah, like his the way he's been doing ministry, it may change, but his ministry may be more powerful. In a different way Um, but basically his sort of resolve and his worship just clinging and crying out to the Lord even that much more when it's so easy to be like it's your fault God like that really challenged me but in the same trip you know I saw I was really inspired because back in 2016 we went to a village and now this is like two and a half years later and in this village named Thaler, that was actually where we did our first ever soap campaign. This was the first time we launched about soap and hand washing. You know, at the time, what, like 27, 28-year-olds, like, going and no nonprofit experience experiences. Like, what are we doing? Like, okay, here's soap. Use it. Like, it's good for you. It's, you know, keep you healthy. Um, but it was just so incredible just of how, like, uh, when we went back this time, you know, um when we went to the households like they had soap they were like you know we were talking about it and they're like yeah we were deeply impacted by that campaign um and so you know that and then um actually we met a girl at the time her name is Priyanka uh, she's on the cover story of our homepage um who wants to be a political leader and we said we said where where's priyanka and they're like oh we sent her off to school wow. um and then yeah. So I think that was really just uh it was really kind of a, it was really great and um encouraging to hear those stories um of how God has used weak and young people like us yeah. to really kind of help and transform a village. Um so yeah, so that's a story that has that keeps me going.
1: Amazing. I, I would I would end with this where God hasn't stopped using five loaves and two fish. You know what I mean. So, thank you so much, Matt. for yeah, thank you. Yeah, hanging out with me of and, and sharing your story, and we'll definitely have you come back on and Would share even more stories. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Much love.
0: Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web
1: at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.